Hi, I'm Jim Aldred. I'm here at the Jabez Holland House at 33 Sandwich Street. And we're meeting with Peter Aronstam, the Executive Director of the John Holland Society. Peter, thank you very much for having me come in. Happy to do it for you. Now, I've been down here a couple of years ago for a, maybe a breakfast or Oh, that was together? the Harlow House. They do. They oh, do the Harlow. Sorry, Harlow House. Yep, yep. I'm sorry. Kept it in the H's. Happens all the time. <laughs> um, tell me, what is the history behind this? This is one of the oldest or the only house in town where a Mayflower pilgrim lived. Is that correct? Uh, yes. The the original house, and we're in the actually in the newest section of the house. Okay. The original house was built in 1667 right. by a house carpenter named Jacob Mitchell. Uh, he built it for he and his wife, and they only lived here for two years, but they sold it to Jabez Howland, who was the eighth son of John Howland and Elizabeth Tilly of Mayflower fame. Uh, John and Elizabeth had ten children together, and Jabez was their eighth child. Jabez was a blacksmith here in town, and uh, he bought the house from Jacob Mitchell, and he and his wife, Bathiah, lived in the house from 1669 until 1680. Wow. Now, down the street, there's a Jabez Corner? Yes. What is the, the significance that, of that? Yeah, I think JB's Corner, as we call it here JB's. in Plymouth. So, okay. I grew up here in Plymouth and pronounce it JB's sure, Corner. Sure, I started working here and they said, we pronounce it Jabez. So, I'm that's a, the way I I'm obviously it. a drift in. <laughs> I pronounce it JB's Corner and Jabez Howland House. Right. Uh, both ways. But um, I, don't, I don't think there's any... Not the same family? Jabez was uh, not uncommon name okay. um, in the 17th century. So, it, it may be related to some other Jabez okay. or JB. So, tell me a little bit about the John Howland Society. When did that get started? and what's its goals? Sure. Uh, the Jabez, the, the, the uh, Pilgrim John Holland Society was mm -hmm. founded in 1897 mm -hmm. uh, by a group of people who were all related to uh, the Pilgrim John Holland. He, uh, of course, was on the Mayflower, and the idea of the society is to perpetuate the history of and to celebrate the story of John Holland and the Mayflower. Okay. Um, that's right in the middle, of, toward the end, actually, the Victorian era, that's 1897. Right. Um, I wonder, I'm curious what got them all together to think they wanted to re... Well, it's interesting, um, uh, Bradford's Journal of Plymouth Plantation right. uh, had been in a church in Boston during the um, American Revolution. Old South. It was taken from there to England yeah. and re only returned to the United States in, in 1895. So there was a big upsurge in interest in the Pilgrim story around that time. Mayflower Society uh, was founded in 1897, same year as the Howland Society. So uh, it was all part of that upsurge of interest in the Pilgrim story. Everybody heard about that and they realized they're sitting in this trove of uh, interest. That's right. And, and people who uh, knew they were related to right. these various Pilgrims wanted to be able to celebrate that and um, tell that story. Right. So, um, back then, at that point in time, what was the situation just for this house? What was it? Well, interestingly, we know who lived in this house from the first Jacob Mitchell to the last private owner. So, the last private owner was a woman named Helen Holmes, who had inherited the house from her father. Mm -hmm. uh, she lived part-time in Washington, D.C., if I remember correctly. And she sold the house to the Howland Society. One of the first things they did after incorporating 
um, was purchase this house. They had a plan. Uh, they knew um, it was the Howland house or associated with the Howland story, and they wanted to save it. Um, at the time, it was um, not in good repair. There was actually a livery stable in what's our parking lot right now, right next door, very close, old kind of rundown Dilapidated, building. Dilapidated, sure. So um, their plan, the Holland Society's plan, uh, included raising $2,000 to purchase the house, $2,000 to restore the house, and $1,000 to um, set up an endowment to take care of the house in perpetuity. That was their plan. They raised that those funds and bought the house from Helen Holmes in 1912. Wow. So um, it's... It's amazing that it's maintained its character all these years. Um, this section you said is the newest section. You know, it looks old by itself. I'm not sure when it was when it was built. Yeah, as we, as I said, the original section was six, uh, 1667, right. and then um, other owners, as they uh, lived here, of course, as you would with your own home, add on or change or modify to suit your needs while you're living here. Right. A family named the Churchills lived here in the early 1700s. Yeah, that's an old name in town. They, that's right. They um, had 10 children in their family. So the small house, the original house, which was really just two rooms, a downstairs room called the hall chamber and the upstairs room called the bedroom chamber, um, was not enough for this 10 10 children family. So they added the whole back of the house in about 1720. The room wherein was added about 1750, um, several years later, by another owner of the house. And then it maintained, obviously, the shape for a while in the 1800s. It was a two-family dwelling. Family lived downstairs and a family lived upstairs. And then finally, in 1912, as I said, the Howlands bought it from the last private owner. Right, right. The, the plan, the Howlands had a plan to renovate it. Um, ultimately, uh, originally their plan was to have a caretaker in the house and then people who might happen by and wanted to see it, he would show them around. That worked for a while. They engaged an architect named Sidney Strickland, uh, a Boston architect, who at the time was also working with um, the, the Plymouth Plantation, the museum that had just come into uh, being. And he was working with them to design houses and lay out the, the recreated town. He worked with the Pilgrim Society to renovate this building back to three different time periods, that early um, period, late 17th century, then early 18th century, and then mid 18th century here, so that uh, a visitor today can see the difference and evolution of the house and of um, housing in general. Right. That's the way everything, all these old houses are. They start out as a, a two or four room building and then they get, they get expanded on, you know, I'm going to say willy-nilly, willy-nilly, as they needed more space and the families grew, they added up and out and became a bit of a rambler. That's exactly right. It's yeah. John Daly. Oh, is he really? Yeah. I'm not sure what he's up to. He wants to get into the second showing. Um, okay. So this... The Holland Society is involved with this house, and how do they come? People come and tour it if they want to come see it. What's the uh, who, who do they contact? Yeah, the um, the house is open during the summer season from mid June to the end of October, generally. Okay. And uh, our hours of operation this year have been Wednesday through Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
uh, we require or request reservations uh, so that it, it kind of keeps um, so people don't clump together right. and get a bunch of people in the house all at one time. Yeah. And it's worked pretty well for us in these last two years. Uh, reservations, you can either call the house 508-746-9590 or use our website pilgrimjohnhollandsociety.org. Uh, and uh, request a reservation for uh, usually a time uh, on the hour. And I'll post a link for the uh, Holland Society on the bottom of this video. I will take and I will add the uh, URL for the Holland Society to the website at the bottom of this video and people can contact and make reservations. Great. Now, um, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say you own a sailboat. <laughs> the Society owns yeah. a sailboat. Yeah. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, what it, it is a sailboat, uh, okay. and it's the type of boat is called is called a shallop. Shallop. A shallop is a very typical 17th century work vessel designed to do a lot of different things. The Pilgrims had a shallop on that they brought with them on the Mayflower, right. stowed in pieces below decks. The shallop that we own, I actually built while I worked for Plymouth Plantation, myself and a, a crew of about six people. Um, we built it for the John Holland Society. Okay. The idea at the time uh, was to recreate a trading voyage that John Holland undertook from Plymouth up the coast to the Kennebec River, then up the Kennebec to where Augusta is today. Now, considering the fact we're down by the Cape Cod Canal in the Kennebec River, is way up in Maine, passing Mount Gloucester, Marblehead, mm -hmm. Newburyport, New Hampshire, Portsmouth, right. Portland, way up there. That's quite a distance today in any boat. <laughs> Never mind back in the 1600s in a sailboat that wasn't really designed for speed or comfort. Right. So um, a shallop, as I said, is a workboat, right. uh, and they what this shallop represents is one that the Pilgrims had built by a boat builder here in the colony, 1623. So they had the shallop from the Mayflower, yeah. and then this boat builder built two more shallops. Okay. Uh, two years later, a house carpenter who had worked with the boat builder, uh, they needed a larger boat to get to Maine. So they cut one of those shallops in half, yep. lengthened it about five feet, and put a deck on it. And they used that boat as a coastal trading vessel to travel up to Maine. Um, and yes, it was a long ways. And yes, it's not as comfortable as we recognize today. But right. for the pilgrims, they had tried this voyage in an open shallop, like the, the Mayflower shallop, but found it unsafe for themselves and for their cargo of corn that was getting ruined by sure. salt water. So they needed a decked over vessel. Um, their original plan, you may know, was to have a second vessel with them come with the Mayflower, the Speedwell. Speedwell uh, was not able to make the Atlantic crossing, so they were without a smaller coastal vessel for their colony. Mm -hmm. So they tried various ways to get around that problem, and one of them was the shallop, that okay. we, um, a reproduction of which we own today. Okay. Um, now that is out on a mooring right off That's State right. Pier. Mm -hmm. what, what do you do with that? Besides well, leave it on the mooring? Uh, it, uh, essentially, we use it to help tell the John Howland and Elizabeth Tilly story. So it comes in, it gets tied up to the... Yeah, like just recently, we were part of the uh, Plymouth 400 Maritime Festival weekend. Yep. We were tied up to the float, actually right next to the Mayflower Shallop. Yep. And visitors would um, come aboard and we could show them 
the vessel and talk about colonial history and John Holland history. Okay. And who's that boat named after? Uh, Elizabeth Tilly, John Holland's wife. John Holland's wife, Elizabeth Tilly, and she was one of the... Is she the first one that was supposed to have stepped off, stepped ashore? Um, they say it was Mary Chilton. But, oh, Mary Chilton. Okay. But uh, we don't really know for sure. She's the one buried at um, King's Chapel. Right. In Boston. Elizabeth uh, was a young girl, 13 years old, during the Atlantic crossing of the Mayflower. She came with her mother and her father and her aunt and her uncle. Yep. Uh, they were part of the Leiden congregation and um, part of the Separatist church. During the winter, uh, half the passengers died, including all four of the adults with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was alone then in the New World. She was put into the household of John Carver, uh, the governor of the colony, um, where John Howland was an indentured servant. Right. Three years later, John Howland and Elizabeth Tilly married and ultimately, as I said, had 10 children. Wow. Um, now, I should have addressed this earlier, but better late than never, I guess. John Holland has a tremendous story. He almost never made it. That's right. What's, uh, what, what? Yeah, John Holland famously, um, off, we have visitors all the time come to the house who know something about John Holland. Yeah. And the one thing they often know is that he fell off the Mayflower during the, Atlanta, the Atlantic crossing. William Bradford, who wrote of Plymouth Plantation, records in his journal that a lusty young man named John Howland came up on deck in a storm and was thrown off the ship with a great seal of the ship. That is when the ship heeled over sharply, he was thrown off the side and was saved only by grabbing hold of a line he called topsail halyard um, and was dragged up back on board by sailors. So he was saved um uh from certainly drowning uh by this line that happened to have washed over the side right. uh, and he was able to grab it and come back up on board thankfully uh whoever was manning that line didn't stow it properly <laughs> yeah. i can <laughs> imagine went a, over the side storm that a lot of those coils of lines of were washed off the right. side absolutely uh, and people were not on deck that so. is quite the story and i you know you, you've been on sailboats before sure and I've been thrown off of sailboats in racing situations, and you kind of get panicked and disoriented. Right. I right. can only imagine. It's not like they had deck lights. Right, right. And it was totally black. Yeah. You know, maybe a moon. Yeah, and, and he must have, his arm must have hit that line, and he grabbed a hold of it and <laughs> wouldn't let go. Right. So he was brought back up on board. Uh, interestingly, Bradford um, tells that. He doesn't tell a lot of stories about the Atlantic Crossing. But he tells that story, and we think he Bradford tells that story because he uses it as an example of how God was showing favor on the colonists. Right. That John Howland was an, turned into or became an important part of the colony's success. And so he was saved from drowning so that he could continue on uh, to be a success for the right. colony. Some of the stories that Bradford didn't tell might be best forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You know? I don't want to talk about that anymore. Okay. All right. Peter, thank you very much. Anything sure. you want to tell the, uh, the, the watchers, the listeners about um, the just, story? Just come visit the house. Yep. And um, we also own land over at oh, Kingston that's right. thank called you. Rocky Nook. Rocky Nook. Um, Rocky Nook was the place where John Howland and Elizabeth Tilly lived. It's now in the town of Kingston. Um, it was part of the Plymouth Colony, of course, early on. Uh, they owned about 80 acres and had an, a, a, a thriving farm there. 
We own about 40 acres, half of which was part of John and Elizabeth's farm. And if you go there today, you yep. can see the site where their house was. Uh, archaeology studies have been done and have found the foundation of the house. Really? The hearth. Um, there's a, a layout of one of the barns that was associated with is it. Is the layout over there? Yes. Because I, I have friends that live in there, and I'm down Holland Lane all the time. Yep. And on the left, you see the marker for Joseph? Uh, yes, that's right. And on the right is John. Right. And so if you get out of your car and go up the hill, there's a little kiosk at the top of the hill with some maps to orient you to what you're looking at. You can see the foundation. Um, if you're looking down, it, they know where the spring is, where they got their water for their everyday use. Um, there's a barn there. They've been doing archaeology out there. Uh, we have been doing archaeology out there for many years, since the 1930s, and have thousands of artifacts recovered from that site. I was just down there last week visiting a friend, and um, <clears throat> you, see, you see the monuments, but I never thought there was anything but those monuments. Mm. Now that I know, yeah, I'll stop in and take a walk yeah. up that hill. and Though That's a place where pilgrims, we know, that's where they lived. Um, Elizabeth likely lived in this house after John died. John died in 1672, um, and uh, uh, she, so she was alone after that. She probably came and lived here in Plymouth for a while with Jabez and Bethiah. But ultimately, we know Elizabeth uh, moved down to Swansea with her daughter, Lydia, uh, who had moved there with her family. And so Elizabeth lived her the remainder of her life with Lydia and is buried in East Providence. Right. That was a, another interesting thing. Pilgrims didn't always stay here downtown on Court that's Street. Right. No, that's They right. moved off considerably. Yeah, pretty quickly. To Rhode Island. That's right. You know, yeah. Jabez north. and Bethiah moved to Rhode Island. Did they? Um, Middleborough, the Cape, of right. course. Um, so they were quickly They quickly just dis dispersed. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the causes of the King Philip's War was English encroachment on land. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Now, there's some development going on over there mm -hmm. in, in the Nook, that land. But the, yeah, I don't know a lot about it. I know it's land that is adjacent to our property that yeah. was sold, I want to say, seven acres. Um, and the idea the developers have is to build a number of condominiums it, that's, on it. That's not your land? No, it's definitely, definitely no. not. It's, it's adjacent to ours, though. Okay. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you. I've learned things <laughs> about the society and the, the shallop and uh, lots of other topics. Good. Anyways, thank you very much for taking some time. Thank you. Coming in. Here. What do we got? So this is part of the original house. Yep. This stone floor, um, the stairwell, and then this room over here is part of the original house. It built is. in 1667. Oh. <clears throat> of course, it's, work has been done on the house over many years. Do you think those bricks are original? Uh, so the bricks likely are, and that lime mortar, this lower section of the house, the chimney is um, original. When you get near the top, you can see the difference in the mortar. It's Portland cement, sort yeah. of gray, mm -hmm. uh, and that we know work has been done on it. And we have had work done on the very the part of the chimney that sticks. Thomas out. Edison was involved in Portland cement. Was he? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely <clears throat> going to the Thomas Edison uh, home site down. In, hold on a second, boss. Let me uh, the stone floor. Okay, let's go back in. And then this is the original um, part of the house, built in 1667. Uh, the hall chamber, the, the hearth, um, 
original size and shape, rebuilt. That is enormous. The hearth was rebuilt using bricks from a house up in Ipswich, Mass, from the same time period. Um, what was that then, do you know? Talking ahead? I don't know off the top of my head. I heard a long time ago that the second leading cause of death for women back in colonial period was burns from cooking. Yeah, I, I don't know how high. I think that's overstated, honestly, okay. um, but I'm not sure. Well, the size of that, they were roaring. Of well, <laughs> the idea with a hearth this size yeah. was to have to be able to have multiple fires rather than a giant fire where you're cooking half a cow or something. Oh, really? That they have a couple going in there? Yeah, you'd have you might have a fire, a larger fire for heat. Yep. Uh, like we might recognize in yeah. our fireplaces, and then you'd have smaller fires where they draw out the coals from the fire and set up these various um, pieces of equipment to uh, like that gridiron you could put coals under it or the spider skillet there in the back with the little skillet with the legs you could uh, have something going on that yeah. and then the, the we have this fun piece called a toaster so the, the bread goes into the uh, piece here toast one side and you can turn it around and toast the other side so the hearth is big, not so that you can have a giant fire, but so you can have multiple fires. We used to have those in the Boy Scouts. What's that? A, a, a portable toaster. You could take oh, it. Oh, yeah, it yeah. Collapse and you take it. You can't yeah. fire. You yeah. prop it up there and you put it in front of the fire and that's right. Get yourself some toast. Hmm, it's interesting. Interesting. These are some pretty old beams up here. Yeah, this is part of the original structure, and if you focus in on these joists you can see the nail holes where the old plaster ceiling was you can imagine over the years uh, as time goes on they pl want to plaster the ceiling um, when they renovated the house uh, after 1912 after the Holland Society bought it they took that plaster ceiling down so you could see the the structure uh, beneath it, the 17th century timber frame right right and that section right there that's new, newer yeah that uh, this part was added after um, so the house was quite small as built yes exactly it was a room this size down here same size upstairs uh, the bed chamber and then uh, sort of a loft attic space okay once again Peter your wealth of information thanks for <laughs> taking the time sure my pleasure yeah, thanks bye -bye. for coming in